Welcome to CTO Confessions with TC Gill. Brought to you by IT Labs. Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen. This episode of CTO Confessions is brought to you by the one and only IT Labs, providing technology leaders with purpose-driven development teams for high performance, innovation, and, of course, productivity. What more could you want? Please think of us like Tech Leader's favourite off-the-shelf service, providing quality, high-performing teams off that shelf. And your host today is me, TC Gill, IT Labs Chief Talking Officer. And I'm speaking from the sunny UK, the big smoke, London. One of the very few truly international cities of the world. And in this episode, we're going to talk about an airport that I have visited many, many times. It's about leading tech in the second busiest UK airport, London Gatwick, where it services a million and one use cases every day, all day. And the tech leader that's going to allow us to look under the cover of an operation like this is Nick Batchelor, Gatwick's Director of Information Technology. So let's not delay. Let's welcome our guest. So welcome, Nick. Welcome to CTO Confessions. It's great to have you on board. I'm delighted to be here. Great. And uh, and whereabouts in the world are you, sir? Well, uh, as we know, I work at Gatwick Airport and so I'm lucky enough to be sort of uh, squirreled away in the middle of the West Sussex countryside uh, right now, um, where I have been for many months, actually, and probably will be for a number of months to come, I suspect, with infrequent trips to the airport. Um, so yes, I'm, I'm nice, uh, nice and uh, rural uh, in the middle of West Sussex. Beautiful. And And what do you do at Gatwick Airport? What's your role? So I'm uh, IT director um, and within Gatwick there's a reasonably sized IT department and we provide a number of IT services both to uh, Gatwick's own operation and of course the operation of uh, many third parties and partners that operate in the airport Um, because all airports are essentially landlords really so we own the buildings, we own that long strip of tarmac which things land on which is pretty handy and on top of that, we, as an airport, we then provide certain services to all the other airlines and ground handlers and government agencies and things that work in the airport. Yeah. So, for example, as an airport, we provide um, security services. We provide uh, so we do all the bag searches. Obviously, as you know, when you go through an airport, when you go through Gatwick, sure. um, the guys checking you, helping you do your bag search. Um, those are all Gatwick employees. We provide all the plants and the automation that takes your takes your baggage, flushes it through the baggage system, and we provide all the kind of airfield data. Um, all the information that's kind of required to keep all the third parties operating uh, in an airport and, and keep them operating efficiently, yes. which is absolutely critical. Because when, sadly not now, but when Gatwick is flat out, you know, as, as well known, we're the world's busiest or certainly, uh, well, certainly one of the most efficient airports in the world. Oh. Um, and there is absolutely no time for inefficiency. Yes. Um, you know, short haul carriers like EasyJet are trying to get aircraft in and out of their stand in something like 40 minutes. Wow. So in that time, you've got a lot of stuff to do. You've got to get obviously people off, crew off, bags off, get everything back on again, refuel, maintenance, catering. Yes. Um, and you've got to turn that all around in 40 minutes. Wow. And unless all the third parties that are involved in that process have got absolutely up-to-date information, um, then, you know, forget it. That's never going to happen. Yes. So um, providing all that information to the right people at the right time, it, you know, it's absolutely a critical part of what we're, we're all about in IT. Yeah. It's, and, and I guess uh, the world that we live in now, uh, which is uh, digital, it's, uh, it's information flowing everywhere. And I can imagine mm-hmm. when that stops, everything stops, you know, uh, it's uh, it's very critical. So, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it sounds like 
actually, I mean, the, what you described there in terms of the airport as a kind of platform, you're, you own mm. the land, you own the equipment, you kind of, you're the kind of glue that holds it all together kind of thing, you know? Yes. And uh, yeah, I've never really thought of it like that. So that's quite an interesting perspective. So kind of eager, you kind of mentioned it there a second ago to speak to the kind of elephant in the room right now, which is uh, the kind of pandemic, COVID-19. How's that impacted you and your role uh, as a tech leader? Well, massively is the answer. I mean, it's certainly been pretty much the only thing we've worried about for the last, what, nine, ten months now. Um, uh, so I'm sure, as I'm sure everybody knows, the, the travel industry and aviation in particular has been uh, massively impacted by the pandemic. Um, and I think, you know, looking back to what, back end of March last year, when it was just kind of starting to get going, um, I don't think anybody at the time had any any inkling we'd be sitting here still in early January back in lockdown you know we're back with really hardly anybody getting on an aeroplane um so it's been a pretty uh, tumultuous year I think it'd be fair to say yeah um in in many ways I mean I think not least the unpredictability of it so and the suddenness of the changes so you know we went from pretty much a normal January February March 2020 in terms of passenger throughput and therefore obviously sort of um income and revenue for the airport it's pretty normal to uh, and that's in the region of the three to four million passengers a month coming through Gatwick um through to uh, April uh, we were probably it was a few thousand passengers going right. through it literally stopped it fell off a cliff overnight right. and same for the whole the aviation industry around the world so it was the suddenness of it was extraordinary and and difficult to deal with um and it, you know, at the beginning of it, I think we all thought, well, crikey, a couple of months, we'll be through this. And so we'll just, we'll just hunker down, we'll get through it. But of course, it then went on and on and on. And, yeah. you know, we had a little bit of a, a renaissance in the summer. And we thought, oh, OK, maybe August, yeah, numbers are coming back a bit. People will go, this is good. And then, of course, as we all know, since then, numerous lockdowns. And now we're, you know, we're back into a, let's face it, pretty quiet yeah. January, February, March, I think, while we wait for the, hopefully the vaccine to get rolled out. And, yeah. Um, life to maybe start to 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 recover so um yeah i say pretty tumultuous yes. um very difficult in that making any sort of long-term plan has been utterly impossible because yeah the situation has changed you know first of all monthly and now weekly and now occasionally daily that's right i mean it's, so, it's a very agile environment you know speaking to the yeah. kind of agile um and I, I i imagine you know um in fact i've got a note here around kind of roadmaps i, I imagine somebody like this i've got this kind of beautiful long roadmap um uh, that things that you wanted to get done and uh, develop and you know for cost savings mm. what have you uh, how's that impacted your kind of roadmaps i, I mm. well it's changed i think it's <clears throat> i think there's been obviously a lot of short-term changes so you know the initial initial um response was well air airport really has very little income suddenly come yeah. last April so right, we have to stop you know cash is king got to preserve cash at all costs we have to stop a whole load of stuff so tactically a whole load of activities to, to just try and kind of preserve the basic cash flow of the airport but I think it's also true to say that as as the period has gone on it has encouraged uh, a distinct change in the long term outlook as well and I think I think a number of things philosophies about how as a business we're going to operate and how IT can support that right. uh, will definitely have changed um, because you know previously in a sort of growth mindset which Gatwick has had for many years which would be great mm. um, we've seen a sort of pattern of 
supporting capacity, increasing capacity through large scale uh, capital investment, typically both in the infrastructure of the airport and also in IT systems. Right. So we'd be able to um, automate more and more of the airport process. Things like the self-service, people who've been through Gatwick will probably recognise this, the self-service bag drop, for example, um, in the North Terminal is a fantastic product. It absolutely speeds up the way you get to, um, get through the check-in process. Yeah. All sorts of automation around security, baggage processing, airfield efficiency, all, all that kind of thing, um, which has been great. And that's partly how we've managed to get as many passengers as we, as we do through the airport. Yeah. Um, the limited airport infrastructure that we have. So for that, say so that's all been done in a traditional set piece set of large investment led projects. And I think what we're now going to see, and I don't think this is any bad thing really, is that, is that clearly those sort of investment taps have been turned off temporarily at least while we, while we sort of hunker down, wait for the recovery. Right. Um, but it's absolutely encouraging to think, well, actually we shouldn't necessarily see our future as a set of investment led big style project, big steps up. Yeah. We should see it much more of a kind of agile, incremental change, yes. um, delivering incremental value to the business. Not saying, well, we'll come back to you in six months' time with a big bit of value, yeah. but actually we're going to be continuously looking for opportunities to uh, develop uh, and advance the capability that the airport has. Wow. And that, I think, goes hand in hand with all the kind of powerful cloud platforms that we now have available to us. Right. Actually, if we look back, we have ended up investing in over the last few years. Right. Um, and actually, is it not probably the case that an awful lot of the capabilities that we need and will need for the next few years, we've probably already got access to, or if not, could be turned on really quite quickly through, um, you know, SaaS and power style services that are that are kind of already out there. Yes. Um, you know, not to give too much away, but we've got we've really invested in large, powerful platforms like Force.com. Um, like ServiceNow, for example, Office 365, yes. you know, and all the, all the capabilities that's available in those. Yeah. It's just there waiting to be grabbed. Um, and so I think an awful lot of the kind of way forward that we'll be looking at uh, in the future will be let's exploit those existing platforms. You know, let's provide a really responsive and agile way of just moving things forward with the business. Even if it's not you know, conventional development, yeah. it's still improvement, continuous improvement yes. um, and continuous optimization and exploitation of these platforms that we already have access to. Yes. Um, and, you know, that won't require the big sort of upfront capital investments it, that I think it, is the way we've tended to, to go forward in the past. So I, I think that's going to be a genuine yeah. permanent change in, in our outlook as far as how we deliver uh, change through IT and how that goes. That's beautiful. I I think, um, yeah, that kind of agile approach to, to the organisation as a whole, uh, delivering value as soon as possible in kind of small, uh, small and I, I guess that, that allows the uh, the airport to adapt quicker to changes because something I we are mm. in a very changing environment. And, uh, and we were mm. kind of joking just before um, uh, the kind of start of the podcast around uh, the the airports being an infinite pool of use cases you know <laughs> it, i mean it is literally it, it a is. huge number isn't it you know yeah yeah well i mean it's often said that an airport is like a small city yeah um, and it's very true i mean if you think about it it's uh obviously you've got the airfields mustn't forget that you know all the efficiency <laughs> yeah. and the uh, all the data and all the all the fascinating interaction of the physical and the sort of digital that goes on out there you've got large lumps of metal driving around the airport interacting with uh, traffic flows all across Europe and the world, indeed. Yes. And so, how do you get that entire system to operate as effectively as possible? Yeah. But in addition to that, we're a shopping centre, we're a car park, um, we're a huge engineering site um, full of miles and miles of baggage conveyors and X-ray machines and uh, other bits of plant. Yeah. 
um, you know, you've got all the building management type um, and SCADA related systems that just to keep a giant sort of asset asset running. Right. So um, not to mention all the kind of digital platforms around customer interaction, um, customer relationship management, that kind of thing. Right. So, uh, and as IT, we of course then support all the standard backend platforms that you need to run um, to run any business. So we sort of got all this going on uh, under the same roof, yeah. not in giants, or perhaps, but um, in, uh, you know, in, in some way, shape or form, yeah. uh, all, all these different business domains are kind of represented. Yeah. Um, it makes it absolutely fascinating, fascinating place to work. Yeah, I bet. Uh, and as you, <laughs> as you just said, got a plethora of use cases, yeah. commercial, engineering, you know, IoT, uh, data optimization, artificial intelligence, machine learning, all this stuff yes. um, is definitely... Uh, can be used very effectively and, and and should be used to can optimize the way that we operate. Yeah, yeah. And so w- when you've got all these use cases kind of like swirling around you, <clears throat> I can imagine you in the middle of a, um, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm imagining, uh, I've got the name of that film now, The Yellow Brick Road, you know, and uh, the, the storm comes, yeah. you know. And um, oh, yes. <laughs> I, I mean, how do you kind of uh, prioritize them? Is there a kind of way in which uh, the business comes to you and go, look, we've got this real problem. Or, I mean, is there a lot of collaboration mm-hmm. between the different parts of the business? How does that work? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yes and no. I mean, it's, and I think it's interesting um, in that I'm sure everybody in IT would find the same thing or reflect the same thing. We tend to be all sorts of business initiatives kick off all around the business. And, and Galaxy, I'm sure, like lots of other businesses, really creative yeah. um, environment to work in. There's so much opportunity. The business are busy with ideas all the time about how to take the business, you know, take the business forward. But loads of these ideas all trickle down at the end of the day into a conversation with IT because yes. so much of it involves a technology tweak here, a system tweak there, perhaps a whole new system coming in. So we end up, you know, collecting almost um, so many of these conversations that go on around the business. Uh, and obviously, each area of the business might think, "Well, this is the most important thing in the world because this is our, you know, we're, we're following our goals and our objectives." Yeah. Right. Too, that can become tricky because now suddenly we've got all that um, yes. sort of trickled down. So, yeah, there's some slightly more boring stuff like how do you manage your pipeline? How do you manage these initiatives? You know, we spend a lot of time um, doing that sort of basic business relationship management right. function. We're talking to, you know, building relationships with the business. Um, you know, it's not, it's not super sexy perhaps but it's absolutely critical i think because you know you have to manage that flow of work and obviously that gets even more important when suddenly money's tight resources are tight and you know, absolutely need to pick out uh the initiatives which are genuinely going to add value um and i think for it it's always a problematic as the wrong word perhaps i, I think the challenge is always that you'll be dealing with important stakeholders in the business who've got their own agenda and those agendas are really valid and it's finding a way just to be able to challenge some of those and say well fine yeah it's a great idea but you do realize these are some of the implications and actually we've got these other ideas over here that perhaps in the current climate might be slightly more important yes but um you know it's it's and and i think also with it it's a case of where do you support where do you lead because in some areas it's you know really something some initiatives are there for IT to lead and bring the business with them but in lots of other ones you know there's lots of clever people out there in the business who know what they want and it's kind of up to us to support that journey and make it as efficient as possible yes. and it's sort of judging where you where you draw the line there is a uh, you know a constant something we do all the time yeah but I think basically building those relationships in the business having people who are dedicated to doing that um that pays massive dividends yeah um 
and then you know highlighting perhaps where there is a bit of a contradiction in how the business is approaching a number of different right. initiatives in a you know, diplomatic and uh, constructive way clearly um, <laughs> but you know calling out where maybe there's something of a contradiction and shall we just make a decision on what's the most important thing sure. to do so um and i think that, so that's definitely yeah that's part of it's role i think it mustn't be we should, we need to explicitly deal with that and recognize it and and organize our way around it yeah i, I love what you said there around support uh, the kind of duality of your uh, your role in, te- in the technology kind of leadership space or in technology in general is is that you, mm. you know you're there to support you know the bau uh, business as usual stuff uh, the things that need to yep. happen uh, and to keep things the lights on but also that kind of leading uh, this is what we think is an innovative solution this is where we go you know um mm. and, and i imagine that you know with this funnel that you describe um there's overlaps at all where you can consolidate kind of solutions a solution Mm. an elegant solution creates a solution for them and them you know um yes yeah well exactly and that's and that's actually a definite benefit of so much so many of these ideas trickling down into it yeah it's because absolutely you know, that is one of our aims to consolidate, to you know, with the, with the best one in the world, prevent different bits of the business yes. firing off in all directions, buying similar solutions to the ones we've already got. Yes. Um, as I say, that also then goes links back to these, you know, these slightly more sort of generic cloud platforms that are available, SaaS platforms that are available. We can say, fine, it maybe doesn't do 100 percent of what you want, but yeah. you know what? We could do 75 percent of this. Yeah. And we could probably do it next week. Yes. Uh, for a tenth of the cost. So if you can live with that. Then we can deliver it, and I think that's yeah, absolutely. I think that's one of the again one of the, the big bits of value that I a proper a, a kind of well managed business relationship um, process yeah. brings to the party because we don't just go yes, fine, we're going to deliver that. We go uh, well, actually, you know, there is a consolidation option here. Yes, and, and you know, which we all know is a good idea. Again, when you're in a growth mindset, sometimes that just gets overridden. Because the business will say, oh, whatever, no, we just want what we want. You know, there's, there's just somehow less incentive to do to be as efficient as you possibly could. Yeah. So interestingly, when suddenly that growth is not there anymore, and being as efficient and as consolidated as possible uh, becomes a priority, then again, you know, IT can really play a role there and say, well, actually, you know, we can provide what we want here um, by rationalising a number of these applications away. Yeah, uh, and that so that so that whole you know simplifying the environment. Um, yeah sort of object becomes really comes to the fore as well yes i like i like um yeah it's um you know negotiating this kind of idea relationships i i yeah, being a big big advocate of agile which i think is very much looking back at people and interactions um well, one of the values speaks to that um mm. being able to negotiate and i love the idea of um when you spoke around, you know, this to 75% or 80% of what you want, you know, but not the rest of it. Can you live with that? And, and I've seen examples of that in my career where people just want all the bells and whistles, but actually a lot of it is not needed. And the cost is phenomenal, you know, and the risk to, to, to actually kind of coming online. Um, and so, yeah, so as a leader, how do you, how, I mean, you've got the relationship. So how do you lead there? Do you get other people to kind of, um, uh, kind of make these agreements or, or do you facilitate? Yeah, uh, yeah. I think all of the above. I mean, I think it's 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 important that you have you have the right people who can who gain the respect of the business. So they've got to operate at the right level. Yeah. Um, you know, they've got to be able to talk the language the business understands, and then you know, go away and translate that into IT. So again, we shouldn't underestimate that skill. I think I think it's all oh, part yeah. of recognizing that is a absolute discipline. The whole business relationship management area is a proper discipline that you need properly qualified and experienced people to do because it's not straightforward at all um and you know 
the critical thing always there is generally understanding what are the goals of the business and why why are they those goals where is the actual value um because if you haven't got that then other, then it becomes a sort of an order taker and a bit of a nuts and bolts organization yes. which is important yeah we've got to keep as you say got to keep the lights on yeah. um but if you've got by actually understanding where the value genuine value is you know where does the business want to go so yeah, as far as gatwick concerned you know it's all about well certainly historically it's all about growing but growing in a good way you know but um uh, keeping a close eye on environmental impact and being sustainable um keeping our make it a good place to operate for our airlines which means allowing them to operate as efficiently as they can yeah. obviously making it a great experience for our passengers as far as we can um so you know you put all these things into the mix um and become to operate as just as efficient as efficiently as possible yeah and um but then you've got you know different uh, different agendas from say the commercial team who are very interested in creating great creating great retail experience yeah. a great car parking experience but the kind of aerodrome team we just want to run a really efficient shop get airplanes you know formula one style get airplanes in get them out again yeah. on time and, and safely yeah um you've got engineering teams whose job is just to keep all the all the plant running as uh, as efficiently and as, as reliably as possible and everyone's <laughs> got their own agendas and you know i think you have to have characters and individuals who are respected by the business who can who and they get respected because they demonstrate they understand what the business is trying to achieve in all those different domains and it's so you never can have one person that's able to do that you know you need a number of different characters yes um and who can then bring that back into it and say right what they really need here yeah. is a system that do x or a report i mean it's the simple things typically and it's amazing how often the simplest thing has a huge amount of value <laughs> yeah but a little bit of automation can we just write a, a you know a, a power app we could frankly take some data squirt it somewhere else automate the production of a purchase order or something and then off you go. yes or a form or, or you know, a simple bit of workflow and sometimes these things um just by understanding how to join together or automate uh, simple bits of business process these, these things can be really powerful yes but unless you've got people who are sort of plugged into the business at that level of detail yeah. just what they what their problems are day to day yeah then you're not gonna you're not gonna spot those things and it, it's amazing what inefficiencies live, people end up living with yes and unless you're as you poke them and say, why do you, why are you know, in the brightest possible way, why are you doing things like yeah. that? We had some consultants in the RSAP environment, for example, um, a, while, a while back. Um, and they were saying to me, well, so why, why do you, why do you, you know, what's, what's your, what struggles do you have? And they, there was one whole conversation where they said, well, we have to print, get this report, we print it out, we type it in here again, and we do something else and print it out again. And the consultant said, you do know you could just push that button there and that would do it all for you. And they went, Really? <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah. And sure enough, they're right. That saves yeah, saves them hours a month. That's right. Uh, and just and so and that's one thing that makes me think. Yeah, we've got these big, complicated, powerful software platforms, which has huge amounts of capability, which never get used. Yeah. Um, and it's really incumbent on IT. I think particularly as we buy into more and more of these complex SaaS platforms, that we that we make sure we're plugged into how can we get the most out of those platforms by you know automating whatever making the life of the, the the key processes in the business easy yeah um but you can't do that unless you're literally always sat with them every day going yeah. why are you doing it that way you do know you could do that but you've got to know both things you've got to know there's a better way and you've got to know how they operate so you know that that and i, and I think where we where we're moving is that with more and more of these powerful platforms out there that you just you know, not quite that simple but you just sort of turn on the tap and it out pours a whole bunch of cleverness yeah um you know, it's getting more and more important to be able to understand how you adapt your business process potentially, so you can make use of that cleverness. Yes. Um, unless you've got people with both feet on both sides of the um, the line. Yeah. Uh, 
and that's really difficult. It's, it sounds like um, obviously collaboration, um, being a big advocate of any form of collaboration is, uh, you know, uh, close to my heart. Mm. It, it seems there, you, what you're really doing is trying to under, you're not making assumptions about what you think is the solution. You're basically going to the horse's mouth and saying, what is the solution mm. you think? Where, where will it make your life easier? And, and, it, and uh, I guess this is where kind of elegant solutions come in, where uh, this, just a simple thing d d does most of it you know that's that's good enough you know mm, mm, um, mm. well yeah 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 and, and and i think also it's important to say that we are absolutely not underestimating the importance of the, the what you might call the bau stuff because it's all built on that on that sort of foundation isn't it so the, for the business to trust it to come and talk to them and be prepared to listen to them and let you into the room that if your key systems are falling over twice a week yeah. you're not even going to be invited in. Yes, that's right. So it, it's, it's almost, you know, it's a building trust and building respect to that business level, which is what you've got to do to deliver the, the key value. Yeah. You can't do it unless you've done all the engine room stuff, unless that's really effective. And the business thing, oh, yeah, I do. you know, unfortunately, you get no thanks for it at all. You only get, people, <laughs> yes. people only realise when things go wrong. Yeah. Nobody's going to say, do you know what, Nick? Nothing's gone wrong this month. Brilliant, good job. That never happens. <laughs> I've never had comment that, right. but unfortunately, if you don't do that, yeah. you, you you can't go to the top table and say, "Let me, have, you know, we, we're quite good at IT. Let let us help you out with yeah. um, with what you're doing." You just don't get that that respect. So the the, the sort of key, you know, infrastructure and networks, you know, um, cyber, absolutely critical. Yes, all these things have to be rock solid, so you can then get to the table to really deliver that value by having those business conversations. So you can't, there's no shortcuts. Yes. You know, it's, all, it's all got to be done, even if, unfortunately, you never get any thanks for it. Yeah. Actually, that kind of brings me on to a subject um, which I often talk to people around is, is that uh, it reminds me of the days when I was a software engineer. The only time people would notice my work was when it didn't work, you know, or or, or, or yeah. I managed to get an LED to flash, you know, because I worked in the embedding. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah, you know, people used to fight over that. <laughs> I want to do the LED interface. Um, so, <laughs> so um, in terms of celebrating the work that you do, which isn't appreciated, because we spoke around this just before the, uh, in, you know, in the, in the session earlier on, um, like security, mm. you know, keeping the lights on, uh, making sure that everything ran at 99.99% kind of availability. How do you, mm. how do you celebrate? How do you communicate that to the organizations that you are appreciated? Mm. Well, I think we're, we're probably luckier at Gatwick than in many places because, you know, Gatwick is a, is a, is a as an organization has a, has a key operational focus you know and our job is to get well, let's, let's see what we're running normal quotes normally you know hundreds of thousands of people a day into and out of the airport through the journey get planes turned around you know so it's, it's a kind of a it's almost like a conveyor a very complicated factory almost of, of getting people in bags in and out and planes um so the whole concept of operational uh, stability is a really important one to Gatwick to make sure that we deliver the kind of experience that our passengers and our airlines want you know but put simply everything has to work and it is blinking complicated as a system you know you've got to have the entire security apparatus working to get thousands of people an hour through the um, the cabin bag search process for example um and all the automation that that requires the bag drop process the check-in process they're getting bags to planes efficiently the getting the flight information available so people are, people are at the right plane at the right time yeah, all the sort of all the sort of stuff that goes into making an airport work effectively yeah there are a million and one things that can go wrong of course with such a complicated environment where you need technology you need the people you need the process it's all got to work it's all got to work seamlessly yeah um, and there's very little margin for error um because 
you know, where we're flat out, even a 15, 20, 30 minute outage of a key system, you, you know, you're, you can have a big problem. Yes. Um, and because of the sheer throughput of people and bags um, to get from one side of the airport to the other. Yeah. So, um, so the airport has a great concept of and spends a lot of time focusing on the stability of its core operation. Right. Um, and and of course, IT is a part of that, but as is the giant engineering component to that. Um, as I say, people in process as well, all in numerous different areas. So it's all got to work. Yeah. Um, and a million one things can throw you off course. You know, a snowstorm. Um, a air traffic controller strike in France. Yes. Um, you know, a volcano <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in, in Iceland. Let's not forget yeah. that one. Yes. You know, I mean, you know, COVID is just the latest in a in a, in a long line of disruptive events that uh, yeah. you know affect aviation. So um, the airport is well used to managing disruption and kind of keeping the the impact on um, passengers and airlines, you know, keeping that to a bare minimum. And IT sort of flows into that. Yes. So there's a whole there's a whole load of conversations about stable operations and how we manage that and record it. So so to be fair, when I say you never get any thanks for being stable, that's that's wrong. I'm being um, a bit facetious there. Yeah. No, so yeah. Um, we kind of play into the whole stable operations part of Gatwick, which is a, a, a big part of what the organisation is about. Yeah. Um, because it's yeah, it's no good for anybody if if systems aren't working, if people are queuing and flights are delayed. You know, they're just it's a dreadful experience. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and of course, there are financial implications around as well. So nobody wants that. Yeah. Um, so um, yeah, so we are lucky in a way that we do get we do sort of celebrate as an organisation. Yes. And we do have rigorous standards imposed on us by the regulator. Oh, okay. Around right. Okay, so times okay. delays. Yeah. So we actually report back. Um, publicly, you can go and have a look. Um, we we, we hit most of the most of the time uh, in terms of our core service standards. So um, these things are measured pretty pretty rigorously. Um, we take them very seriously. Um, so actually, yes, I think we're, we're probably luckier than most places in some ways that we do get. We feel very much part. IT feels very much yes. for operations environment. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we sort of manage to, uh, you know, we try not to. But IT is a side thing. We say, well. Yeah, as we know, the whole airport really doesn't function very well without its IT at all. Yeah. And so we're very much part of the, 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 you know, the kind of core operation, yeah. um, which is good for IT folks, because sometimes you, I think in some organisations you can be a little bit to one side. Yes. But no, certainly um, at Gatwick, we feel very much part of the um, the core operation, which is great. Yeah, I can, I can imagine this kind of torrents of information flowing in all directions. And, uh, you know, um, mm. it's, yeah, it's like a Niagara Falls, you know, um, if I can use an analogy. Yes. Um, um, but it's, so let's say, for example, um, obviously, you know, you want to keep things operating, operational stability. I love that. Um, so how do you deal with kind of disaster recovery that when the disruption hits, um, are there kind of, mm -hmm. uh, do you have kind of resilience within the kind of processes and, and uh, information mm -hmm. and what have you to kind of keep it going, mm -hmm. at least limp along, limp mode, you know? Yes, yes, yes. And again, it's a very collaborative thing and it has to be to be effective. Um, you know, I've been in IT many decades now. And if it's taught me one thing is that you can have an awful lot of IT resilience something can still go wrong. Yeah. Um, and you should, it's, you know, and, this may be a little bit cynical, but I think my view is you could, all you can do is elongate the gaps between failures, really. And maybe it's once in 10 or 20 years, and yeah, that's that's pretty pretty bloody good. Yeah. But something is, you've got to assume that your IT is going to have a hiccup at some point, and you have to have a plan with the business to be able then to, to, to live with that. Um, and I say, that's why planning for disruption and managing through disruption is such a big part of what happens at Gatwick, because, as I say, anything from a snowstorm to a air traffic controller strike to a volcano to an IT failure is just grist in the middle in some ways yes. so what we do is we work very closely with the the core 
um, operations staff and we say, well, let's just think through a number of scenarios. If this system were to fail, yeah. and I think it's incumbent on us to say, what is the likelihood of that? What is the impact of that on you? Right, business, you will now need in this scenario, you know, you now need to deploy this contingency. Yeah. So um, we kind of try and make it as collaborative a process as possible. Yeah. Um, and we, you know, we come to this and say, you need to deal with this. It is a risk. It's not going to fail very often because it's built well, it's well architected, it's resilient, it's new kit, it's all good. But just be aware, it might be only once in every five years. Yes. But you really should have a capacity to deal with that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, because as I say, it's, it's just another thing that can go wrong in the airport. And, you know, if you're dealing with an environment where you have 150, 180,000 people a day, transiting through what you're doing yeah, yeah stuff's gonna happen That's and it's right. you know it's, it's just it's just what we do so yeah. um but yeah but again i think the critical thing is be pro being proactive about it being collaborative um thinking through you know obviously we put in a huge amount of resilience to try and prevent this stuff happening we've got dual system our standard model is um dual hosted systems right. dual path to everything all this all the normal stuff you, you i mean our, our normal assumption is yeah no single point of failure in any system at all wow okay. um so basically see anything that goes in is going to run 24 7 pretty much does that i mean is that kind of resilience kind of uh, something that you as your own kind of design or is it something that's kind of upon you by the regulator so the resilience well i suppose it, it it flows the requirement flows through really on the on the, what i was mentioning about the core service standards around um you know making sure that the passenger experience is as good as it possibly can be so um if, if you know if it fails ultimately it's a kind of outcome-based thing if that generates queues and and lost missed bag, bags that don't get on flight for example um you know these these things are things where we take very seriously but we're actually measured on and financially penalised as well if some of those things we miss the target so there's incentives wherever you look you know just as a you know we want to make sure it's a good experience for passengers and um, airlines but we also don't want to be fined by the regulator so it's a, it's a kind of virtuous circle um so yeah so we make sure and as I say because we're such a busy airport um and we're so reliant on technology which is you know because living in sort of constrained infrastructure the way to to improve your productivity um, is to automate more and more in process clearly and that means technology and so we're incredibly reliant on the technology so we do essentially you know try and make sure we're a kind of highly available architecture for everything we do um, uh, but then there's a lot that goes into that you know you can't just put you can't just build a resilient system and then walk away you have to test it. you have to try failover testing all the time you have to do recovery tests you have to make sure it's patched and up to date because Sure as eggs is eggs, you know, since between the time you last tried your failover, some crucial certificate will have expired buried somewhere or a service account will have expired or something. And just when you want that failure to work, it blinking well won't. No, that's right. So, um, you know, it's no, it's not good enough. Maintaining stability is a really active process in my experience. You can't just build a resilient system and walk away. You have to keep going at it. Yes. Um, you've got to patch it. You've got to update it. You've got to fail it over. You've got to blinking reboot it half the time. You know, it's amazing just what doing that proactively. <laughs> Switch it on and off. But, you know, you've got to have a maintenance. Yeah, you've got to have a proper maintenance schedule on these things because otherwise sure as eggs is eggs the time when you want it to be resilient it won't be um being caught out by that in the past. and this reminds me of a, another um cto confessions where we had where we had um i think it was around uh netflix and you know they've got big server farms and what they did mm. was actually went and switched off some of them you know they actually said we're going to see what happens because we want to yeah, yeah. de-risk our risk pro kind of profile by actually trying to break it and see what yeah. happens you know yeah. um, but i imagine that's quite difficult in an airport if it does going to go wrong then you kind of create a whole set of other problems you know backlogs and queues and issues exactly. around security you know 
Yeah, and certainly when we're busy, the other problem is um, quiet times to try this stuff out because it's a proper seven-day operation. Um, again, you know, busy, busy times. Uh, first, first departures around about five thirty in the morning, probably. Last departures probably around ten in the evening. But certainly in the summer, we'll have arrivals all night as well. So literally, the airport will never stop working. Um, so when do you actually get a chance to try out some of your failovers and do some maintenance? You know, it's quite tricky. So yeah, I imagine again, a lot of stuff happens in the middle of the night with a very tight time window, and it's a little bit pressured because you know, you know, passengers are going to start rocking up. 2 2 30 in the morning so check-in's got to be up and running security's got to be up and running and so you've got a kind of two to four hour window maybe to try to you know do a failover do some testing make sure things are, are solid um in the knowledge it has got to be working again by 2 30 in the morning or people aren't going to be able to check in so um yeah it's got its own yeah so, that, so this kind of brings me on to the you and your team i guess you know what uh from a tech leader what what keeps you up at night i mean what's the thing that's kind of uh really kind of presses on your uh consciousness and, and thinking well i think i think stability is definitely one item because things go wrong so quickly if, if the tech doesn't work so that's certainly an absolute core concern and you know um so proactive maintenance, risk management as well, you know, identifying where are your risks, continuously reassessing that, going after the ones that seem cost effective to do so. So so that's that's certainly a big thing. But like I mean so much the same, I'm sure, for, for most IT shops. Um and I think the I think particularly now looking forward, it's going to be, you know, what are the technologies which are going to be most critical and foundational for the airport and the whole industry really to start getting back on its feet. because um, that's kind of where we are. We're in recovery mode. But absolutely everybody wants to grow back better than we were, you know, more sustainable, more efficient, um, more productive than we were. So I think it's about where do you, which which technologies do you, and, and this is a bit about the where does IT lead versus where does it follow? You know, it, as IT, what is the foundation that we need to make sure is in place to make sure that the clever people in the business have the ability to be as productive as they absolutely can, you know, to have their brain power enhanced by the IT, um, Typically, for example, by bringing you know, data is a, is a really fascinating conversation and something that is a real value that IT can bring to the party. Um, you know, all over the business, you've got people grabbing bits of information from spreadsheets and downloading it from elsewhere and putting it together and trying to get value out of it. Um, and I think absolutely you can make a huge difference by, by creating a sort of data capability that pulls all this together. Yes. And, and crucially, gives the capability for, for people who understand what their data means to go and ma manipulate it and get insight and all the good stuff that we know we need to do with data. But it's, a, it's not a straightforward business at all. Yeah. Um, and it's again about drawing the line about what, what do I to deliver in order to empower the business to, uh, you know, to, to, to achieve their goals. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and data is a fascinating example of that because, you know, we're looking at, well, how do we get all the right data in the same place so that interesting correlations can be determined whether that's everything from, you know, do people who fly to Russia typically buy more handbags? You know, all those sorts of questions. <laughs> Literally, those are, you know, wow. it's all really interesting. Um, you know, and as you start to pull this together, you know, you can start to understand more and more about the behaviour of passengers and about the behaviour of the uh, the airport as a system. You know, how could you, how could you develop uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning, for example, to, you yeah. know, if you think about all, the whole European airspace as a giant system, there's all sorts of inputs that you could build into a machine learning model yes. to say, if you've got sort of weather patterns and 
departure patterns and historic airline performance and things you can put into a model, you've got a pretty fighting chance of saying, for example, this flight here, we're pretty sure is actually going to leave half an hour late, later in the day. Oh, wow. Because all these other factors have come together to make us think well, there's a 70% chance this flight is going half an hour later than we think it probably is scheduled to go. Right. And that knowledge, if you're, if you're brave enough to believe that, you would then start to orientate your operation around that forecast, that sort of three or four hour out forecast, which lets you also gain all sorts of efficiency um, from, you know, coordinating other resources around this, this prediction. And if that prediction is right, six or seven times out of ten then you've probably got a good win there yeah that's right so you know you've got all this opportunity but you've got to get the data in the right place you've got to have the capability to iterate kind of machine learning algorithms over the top of it mm. um and then have the ability to understand whether it's accurate enough to to use and continuously refine so those sorts of capabilities i think are going to be really interesting uh, in all sorts of use cases going forward as we try to, to focus on making sure the operation is as efficient as it possibly can be, not just because there's, you know, money's a bit tight, but just because it's the right thing to do. It makes us yeah. more sustainable, uh, more flexible, more agile, better able to grow back quicker yes. uh, and more flexibly. So, you know, I think the, these, it's, it's how, do we get, how do we do that? That's, so that's one big area. I think collaboration, actually, on a slightly different tack, is another big thing. You know, one of the major things we've obviously all found is that everyone's now working from home. You know, it's yes. simple thing to say, but actually has quite a big impact, obviously, on IT, um, particularly as you have as you start to get back to a hybrid situation where some people are at home, some people are in the office. And, it, and then just having a meeting is now suddenly becoming rather more complicated than it ever was. And what do you do about that? And how do you empower, make sure that the people who are at home are somehow not missing out you know it's the same it's as good as an experience no matter where you are uh, and so it being able to bring some of these uh, experiences and ways of working to the party uh, i think is going to be also uh, very important um for the next, you know the next six to twelve months as we develop these new ways of working which i think will stay embedded with us for, for many organizations probably permanently now the game's changed. And so so from a kind of a technology perspective, then, um, you know, obviously things have changed and, and and I kind of got in my head that, you know, things have slowed down, which gives giving you a breather to kind of try some stuff or to maybe, you know, because, you know, when you're going at 100 miles per hour, it's very hard to kind of change things, you know, um, because there's a fear around it as well. Um, is that, as, as the slowing down, giving you the opportunity to kind of try some of this AI and uh, IoT and and uh, and other kind of uh, cloud technologies. It's certainly given us time to think about it. Yes, yeah, and to some to some degree, yeah, it has. Um, you know, tempered with trying to make maximum use of furlough, and you know, we've restructured, so we've got, you know, sadly got less people than we had previously. So it's it's kind of trying to get that balance between what is worth investing time in right now versus what is. Uh, you know, what isn't. So yeah, to a degree, yes. And I say certainly a lot of uh, thinking and planning time has, has become available, um, which, you know, has led us to starting to consider which are the, you know, the critical technologies that are worth focusing on, critical areas perhaps, yeah. um, that will allow us to, you know, support the business in whichever direction it's going to go um, going forwards. And, and with the COVID, I imagine some of the critical things that have come up are, uh, I imagine, kind of dealing with information across borders, uh, between airlines. Uh, um, um, I, I was kind of reading around uh, kind of health certificates and stuff like that. Is this something that uh, y yourself and Gatwick are looking at? 
Well, we're certainly keeping up with it. Yeah, I mean, I think the whole a number of things are coming together. I think because there was always a, a whole concept of you know, what you might call frictionless travel um, has been on the agenda for a number of years now, right. which is you know, essentially trying to get through the airport, the whole aviation experience, with as little paperwork as possible and generally as little administration as possible. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the 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 kind of vision is that you you check in and you register some sort of biometric token when you're sat in front of your PC at home. And then from that moment on, your sort of whole air, your whole aviation journey is you're identified just by your biometric, and you sort of stroll through the airport, drop your bags, stroll through security, get on the plane, you know, without having to um, show a boarding card or otherwise um, right. endless paper. So that so that all those bits of thinking have been happening for quite a while. The, I suppose you'd call it the, the general the digitization of the kind of travel experience, and I think um, now you're starting to factor in the need for health certification, whether that's a a negative COVID test or quite possibly a kind of proof of vaccination, who knows, going forward. But I think that 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 um is a little bit like having a visa, I think, to be honest. Yes. Um and, and incidentally I know that uh, with Brexit on the horizon, uh, there were numerous conversations with airlines starting to get a bit nervous about well crikey, what's gonna happen on an in a no deal Brexit if we suddenly need everybody to have a visa just to fly to France? Because you know how are our systems now going to be capable of checking that? Because the last thing you want to do is to deliver a passenger to the destination only to be told they can't come into the country and you then got to find them back. So all these kind of attributes of a person, ultimately, sort of digital identity is what we're talking about. Yeah. How do you sort of marry that with the frictionless, um, frictionless journey? And there's a lot of systems that need to come into play. So airlines obviously have a lot of information about their passengers and probably things like visas and health certification probably gets lodged with them ultimately because it's their you know often their responsibility to let somebody onto a plane or not yeah but then as an airport how do we then help out the airline by trying to make that make that information available or perhaps uh, interact with it earlier on in the passenger journey because you might want to stop people getting too far through um if you think they actually don't have the the correct credentials to get on the airplane in the first place yes so we can make life easier for the airlines and really for the passenger as well by 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 as early as possible in the journey saying whoa, whoa, whoa hang on you haven't got a valid test you haven't got a valid visa you haven't got whatever it might yes. be and that means airports are interacting with potentially with airline systems perhaps with other government agency systems um to make that happen so all that thinking is starting to develop um, yeah. and that's really interesting because i'm sure yeah. the whole concept of the digital identity and how we manage that is going to be massive for all of us going forward and i think that health certification is probably just one of the things that's going to accelerate it because yeah. it's going to be we can't go walking about with bits of scrappy bits of paper so yeah i've got a pcr test <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, that's just not yeah, that's, no, that's going right. back into the 80s yeah. that's not going to happen so you know you want it to be on your phone you just go blink yeah or attach to a biometric your your face or your palm or your eyeball or something um that would just you know it just links back to a system that says yes yes you are you're good to do whatever it is you're trying to do so i think um, those sort of integrated digital networks of information are going to become a, a, an accelerated part of, of, of what we're talking about and doing in the near future. And, and in terms of Gatwick and yourself, I mean, is that something you collaborate with other airports or is it a different body that does this? Um, how does that work? Well, it varies. I mean, I think one of the challenges for the aviation industry is there are so many bodies involved. Yeah. Um, now, usually there are a number of sort of standards and centralised um agencies i suppose that, that help promote these conversations which is useful um but for example as the you know gatwick is part of the wider vinci group of airports um and just last year 
we were running a trial between uh, Lyon and uh, Port, uh, Port Lisbon, I think, Lisbon Airport, which are two airports in the group, um, using the sort of frictionless journey idea. So you would check in with a biometric token, or you register a biometric token from your PC at home, and then you could get all the way, or pretty much all the way through both Lyon and Lisbon airports and back just by using your biometric, which was based, I think, Crikey, that's right. Yes, I think so. Anyway, whichever biometric it was, um, just as a way of kind of demonstrating that this frictionless journey uh, was, a, you know, was a technical possibility. But of course, though, that's two airports who have managed to integrate with each other because they're part of the same group. Um, but you know, ultimately, that needs to be widened out amongst numerous additional stakeholders. So it is happening. It's absolutely happening um, because it's. I think there's you know a common interest and a common benefit to everybody to make this happen is it's easier for passengers you know it's it's much safer for airlines to operate if um knowing that all the data about their passengers is is you know certified and, and correct and easy to access and then we can we can um, make that journey smoother by also using that to, to make people's journey through the airport as smooth and seamless as possible so it's almost interesting that the kind of covid situation might actually bring about this change quicker you know it's going the change as opposed to um yeah exactly exactly is it necessity, necessity is the mother of invention or however yeah, it goes right, you know. but yeah and i think it has accelerated a lot of a lot of good things that were already happening um because yeah. you know i say when these things come together it's it's you need the digital identity you need the health certification everybody wants a, a seamless journey through the through the airport and across the whole travel experience so yeah. you know i think it all comes together um, it's you know let's face it it's a, it's a slightly more healthy and hygienic way to operate as well because you potentially don't have to interact with so many people in your journey across the airport you don't have to touch screens you know potentially it's all that kind of health agenda um, of being safe to operate um, uh, is promoted as well which is which is you know great for everybody. Yes, that's right. Yeah, elegant solution. So, um, come towards the end of the arc of the uh, podcast, uh, our time mm. together. Um, if I if I was a, a an application genie, right? I'm uh, mm. I can't I can't give you anything you want from a technology perspective. What what would be the thing for you and Gatwick Airport, or just a general kind of airport technology um, airport industry? What would be your wish? Right, let me let me think about this. You know, there's this. There's so much opportunity for technology at a, at a, at a bigger international airport. Um, I, the thing that excites me the most at the moment, I think, is the opportunity for machine learning and artificial intelligence. Um, so if we could somehow build a craft, uh, a clever enough model of the, the way the airport operates, such that we could feed in um, sort of what-if scenarios to understand how to deploy our resources better, that could potentially even take in a load of make a load of predictions about what was going to happen in the in the near term uh, yes. and maybe the medium term you know we could use that to deploy resources uh, in real time more effectively and more efficiently uh, and to say that uh, sort of support this whole agenda of being able to grow back in the most efficient way possible so yeah, um, yeah if somebody could just uh, build a kind of entire uh, airport machine learning model uh, that'd be tremendous yeah great <laughs> i'll see what i can do <laughs> crack on <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. And and so um, as kind of final um, final bit to the podcast, I, I'd like to give you the opportunity to kind of uh, leave a, a key takeaway for the for the tech community out there. I mean, what what was what is the kind of gift that you'd like to kind of offer them in terms of your wisdom and your years of experience? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think what we've what we've learned and realised uh, over the last six months and, and looking forward 
it's just that importance of understanding exactly how IT is going to add value to the business. I mean, it's an old fashioned thing to say, you know, but I don't think it's ever really going to change. And I think that the, um, the opportunity we have with the growth of SaaS and cloud and all that capability that's kind of already out there for us to use is that we probably can spend a bit less time and a bit less of our energy worrying about the nuts and bolts of IT. It's still going to be done. It's still going to be stable, as we said. There's no there's no shortcut to that. It's got to be safe. It's got to work. But but where in the past we might have spent uh, a lot of our burnt a lot of brain cells, a lot of brain cycles, worrying mm-hmm. about building systems, maintaining them in house. I think more of that <clears throat> energy can now go into how we integrate systems already out there. How can we use the connectivity that we have? How can we use the digital platforms that are available to get data to people more effectively? So I think it's 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 understanding that there's a bit less energy spent on the on the engine room and a bit more on exploiting the value directly into the business process. Um, wow. You know, which is is understanding, which means you've got to get under the covers. You've got to understand that business process, and you've got to understand what the what the outputs are of the technology that you want to deploy. Marry those two things together. So I think it's 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 devoting enough energy to that side of IT to make sure that we're really exploiting all the power of the the software and the effectively almost infinite capacity that's available to us in the cloud um, to really drive forward the business agenda. Beautiful, I love it. That's great. That's a great bit of wisdom uh, to kind of uh, finish on. So thank you for that, Nick. Thank you for your sure. time. And uh, good luck with the airport and to all your kind of uh, team teams. Uh, you know, and uh, mm. hopefully things will kind of pick up for you, for you all. Fingers crossed. I'm sure they will. It's just a matter of when. But yes, thanks very much. Really enjoyed it. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Well, it was great having Nick on a CTO Confessions podcast. A thoroughly delightful gentleman. I just wish I could have driven down to London Gatwick to have a coffee with him and see some of the operations. Maybe one of the main things I love about my work at IT Labs is speaking to influential, incredibly passionate, and important tech leaders in the space. Nick is the director of information technology at Gatwick Airport. So it was a particular honour to have him on board and to ask him questions that I've always wanted to ask, especially as it's an airport that I've frequented many times. So, on the many insights and takeaways from our time together, here are a few. Number one, the resilience of the core operations is important. Things will go wrong and in weird and wonderful ways at times. Test your systems by exercising the failures explicitly. Don't wait to test your failure use cases when they happen for real. They're going to hurt and maybe even bring tears to the eye. Secondly, even in businesses that never stop, it's possible to find times to upgrade, maintain and test your systems. An agile incremental approach to change that has to be part of what you do day to day. And thirdly and finally, have the right people on the team that can nurture, navigate and exercise the relationships across the business to firstly understand what's needed, secondly join the dots and eliminate the contradictions and finally create an environment of collaboration to bring about the best outcomes based on the limited time, money and resources. So Nick, good luck in the future and all the workforce at Gatwick. We will all overcome this pandemic and I'm looking forward to seeing how you and the team of teams emerge ready to take Gatwick to the next level. Thank you again, Nick. And before I go, remember to subscribe to CTO Confessions podcast and IT Labs newsletter. URLs for this can be found on this page. 
We're consistently creating material to create, support and nurture a community of tech leaders. And of course, if you want to know more about our services at IT Labs, including our Teams as a Service service, please don't hesitate to get in touch. As mentioned in the intro, please think of us like tech leaders, favourite off-the-shelf service, providing quality, high-performing teams off that shelf with a wide breadth of skill and knowledge. That's all, folks. Look after each other and keep safe. Wishing you all a great day or evening wherever you are in the world. From all of us at IT Labs, live long and prosper until we meet again on the next podcast.